out yesterday. I cut my grass for the first time. That's why I have such a red forehead right now. I'm typically not this red. And I cut my grass yesterday, and uh, I didn't realize that the grass had grown as fast as it had grown, you know. And I thought, well, it's still cold. It rained a lot, but it's still cold. But something about life coming forward in the middle of spring is just, and, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm just here to declare today, listen to me, I'm here to declare today that new life is beginning to, to come and flourish in you. And not just physically, I'm not just talking about just, just in, in the environment outside and the flowers and all that. I believe that happens. But listen, within you spiritually, I believe things that have been dead will come to life in the name of Jesus. Amen. I love it. I love it. I, I love this song and 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 I uh, this this old song. This is an old song. We don't really sing it that much anymore. But I love this. I love to quote this song on on this day. Uh, I serve a risen Savior. He's in this world today. Amen. I know that He is living. Whatever men may say, it doesn't matter what anyone else says because I know He's living. I see His hand of mercy and I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he is always near. Can I get somebody that is a witness to the Lord being near to you? Amen. And then the chorus of that song says, he lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. Amen. He walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. I love this song. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. I love this part. You ask me how I know that he lives. Let me tell you how I know. I've experienced him. He lives within my heart. Come on and give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Amen. I love that song. I love that old song. I tell you what, I get so much hope uh, when I begin to quote that song. And uh, I want to tell you this. Next week, uh, April 24th, we're going to be having a baptism service here. And uh, we want you to come be a part. There's something special about when people are baptized, and, and it's what Jesus uh, commanded us to do. And so uh, we're going to have a baptism service next week. We have people signed up. It's going to be a great day. It is a joyous day. It's an exciting day. And so we want you to come be a part of that. There's many more announcements that they'll, they'll give you uh, towards the end of service. And, but I am glad you're here. Everyone look at your neighbor. Say, did you brush your teeth before you came to the house of the Lord today? Some of you might have got up and combed your hair in the dark. I did. I don't have much hair. It was pretty easy to do today. Amen, Greg? It was pretty easy today. Uh, <laughs> oh, I tell you what, I, I saw this little bit of this little story, and I thought this was kind of cute. Um, after a worship service at a church in Newcastle, Kentucky. All the fun stuff always happens in Kentucky, right? A, a, a mother with a fidgety seven-year-old boy told, this, told, uh, told the secret to getting her son to finally sit down and be quiet in church. Any mothers ever had that experience where you had a fidgety kid and you're like, would you be quiet? Would you stop talking? Would you stop moving? And so she, she began to tell this, this secret. And she said this. She said about halfway through the sermon, she leaned over and whispered, to her son, she said, if you don't be quiet, the pastor is going to lose his place and we'll have to start his sermon all over again. So just a little note, don't fidget today. No, it's all right. Don't fidget today. Uh, I, I, we have been in a series over the last, and I'm going to get right into the word. We've been in a series over the last, um, well, this is the fourth week of this series, talking about the resurrection life. And we have been walking through uh, three times in the New Testament where Jesus uh, raised someone from the dead that we have documented anyways in, in the Gospels, three times where Jesus raised someone from the dead. And uh, today we are going to talk about uh, the last moment that he raised from the dead, the apex of all of those miracles. And, uh, and so I, I want to I do this. I want to talk to you today about the hope of resurrection, the hope of of resurrection. Everyone say the hope of resurrection. All right, all right. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can you can grab them. And, and thank you, Larry. Let's give our worship team a hand this morning. They were here extra early today. Um, and if you have your Bibles, you, we're gonna be, I'm gonna be 
uh, I'm going to be kind of just, just you're going to have to move through your Bible pretty fast today. Uh, go to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, and I'll get there in just a minute. Um, uh, and when you have it, say, I got it, Pastor. All right, a few of you are fast. If you don't know where that's at, that's in the New Testament. And if you get to the maps, turn left and go back, and you'll, you'll get there. Um, we talk about resurrection. This is Resurrection Sunday, and the, the apex of resurrection in the Bible is that of Jesus Christ being raised from the dead. It, it's amazing to me. Uh, it, I think it's amazing that Jesus, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that Jesus, uh, with the widow of Nain, she was in a, in a funeral procession with her son who had just passed away, and they are marching down the street, and Jesus comes along the scene, and Jesus touches the coffin and speaks to the boy, and the boy comes to life. How many think that that is amazing? That is an amazing, and we talked about that a few weeks ago. And then, then after that, the next series of events that happens, Jesus uh, is in Capernaum, and when he's in Capernaum, Jairus meets him, who is an, uh, an official there. When he gets off the boat there at Capernaum, and he is, he's desperate for, for Jesus to come and heal his daughter. His daughter is, is, is severely sick, and he's the first one there meeting. Jesus, and Jesus agrees to go to Jairus's house to pray for his daughter. Well, in the process of going to pray for his daughter, he is uh, going through this long crowd, and in this crowd is the woman with the issue of blood who is going through, and um, Jesus is walking through this crowded uh, group of people, and then out of nowhere, he says, who touched me? And all the disciples are like, who touched you, Lord? There are hundreds of people around you, and you're saying, who touched you? And, and, and by this woman's faith, she crawled to the hem of Jesus' garment. There's something about the feet of Jesus. And there she reaches up in faith and grabs the hem of his garment, and healing virtue flows, and she is made whole. And Jesus said, who touched me? And she finally admits, hey, it was me. And through that process of her being healed, Jairus then gets the report that his daughter has passed away. And so he is, he is devastated. Then Jesus goes a step further, and he goes into Jairus' home, and there are people there. There are professional mourners. They're crying. And while they are crying um, uh, there, and, and Jesus says, hey, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to raise this girl back to life. And they begin to la laugh, and they begin to mock Jesus. And he's like, get out of here. He gets the people with unbelief out of there. And it's down to just a select few. He only has three of his disciples, and Jairus and his wife, and this girl in there. And he prays for this girl. He speaks to this girl, and she rises up. And how many know that God has the, has the power to change your situation? Amen. What looks impossible to God is a small thing. I, okay. Well, I mean, what looks impossible to us is a small thing to the Lord. The Lord has has mighty power. And then last week we talked about Lazarus. And, and this is the story of Jesus' friend. And Jesus had heard that Lazarus was sick. And he was in Jerusalem waiting. And he waited on purpose. He just, no reason. It just says he waited there. And then he gets word that Lazarus died. And then he goes to Bethany there. And Lazarus was, was his friend, was his, his, his homeboy. He was his buddy. And he goes there. And while he is there, he goes to, uh, to the grave. And he calls Lazarus by name. And when he calls him by name, Lazarus comes up out of the grave. He has grave clothes wrapped on him. He, as a matter of fact, his sister said, Lord, by now he stinks because he had been dead so long. Anybody been around something that's been dead? Had a dead mouse underneath the counter and you didn't know how to get to it or in the wall. And, and, he, and, and his, his sister said, by now he stinks, Lord. But Jesus called him by name and Lazarus came out with grave clothes on and, and Marcus isn't here, but he mimicked it great for me last week. And he just kind of came out of the grave. And, and they unwrapped him. And the next time we see Lazarus, he is sitting at the table with Jesus there in John chapter 12. And so we looked at this, and, and we're talking about uh, uh, the resurrection. But, but what makes uh, us different than other religion is that our Savior, Jesus Christ, resurrected from the dead. He resurrected. What, what, what is the difference between us and other major religions is that our Savior rose from the grave. Uh, here's, here's the thing. While you and I, we live and then we die. But Jesus Christ, not only did he live, he died, but now he lives again. Amen? 
And, and so what's the big deal about resurrection, you say? Well, the resurrection is the hinge on which the door that our salvation swings. Now, that was a mouthful, and there was a lot of statement there. That was a, that was a, but that, that is a powerful statement. The resurrection is the hinge on which the door of our salvation swings open. What are you saying, Pastor? No, no resurrection, there is no salvation for you and me. Uh, Jesus Christ, matter of fact, he came, when he came, he split time. When Jesus came on this earth, it was before Christ. I know they've changed the name of it now because it's not politically correct. But I still say B.C., before Christ, and A.D., which is uh, 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 the Latin word. I don't know what it is, but it means after Christ, okay? And, and so B.C. and A.D., Jesus came and he split time. But he, they didn't, they didn't, he didn't split time. Because he was born, because there were many people that were born during that time. But what sets Jesus apart from everyone else in that time frame and to us today is that not only was Jesus born, he died and he rose again. Amen? So I love that. And Paul says this in Corinthians chapter 15, that, that if Christ had not raised from the dead, then our faith is futile. There's, it, it's, it, it's worthless without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's important that we know that today. A resurrected Jesus is, allows us to have a full life of faith, hope, and love. How many want to have a life full of faith, hope, and love? Amen. I love this. Romans 11, which has kind of been our theme verse through this series, says this. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. All right. The, if you are a believer in Christ, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is inside you. How many could say, hey, I feel that today, pastor. I love that. We have an overcoming power today through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul would say it like this in Corinthians as well. He, he would say this about Jesus' resurrection. Oh, death, where is your sting? The worst thing that could happen to us as humans is death. Because it's a finality to us, but to Jesus it was not a finality. It was, it was only a comma. And the resurrection story is a powerful one, amen? So how do I know that? How do I know this? Here's how you do a test right here. If you go to the tomb of Confucius, it is occupied. If you go to the tomb of Buddha, it is occupied. If you go to the tomb of Muhammad, it is occupied. But if you go to the tomb of Jesus, it is empty, amen? And only Jesus can bring a dead man back to life. Only Jesus can do it. And whether you're dealing with that, it could be spiritually or emotionally or relationally or even maybe even physically in your life. Can I tell you there is hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians. I'm going to just read this bit of scripture and just kind of build this as a base. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse verse 1, and I, I believe I've got this through uh, verse 5, Tristan, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, and, and it says this, if you, if you got it, say, I got it, Pastor. If not, look on the screen and say, I got it, Pastor. All right. It says this, and this is talking about you and me here. Look at this. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. How many know that there are a lot of terrible things happening in our world? We have a sin problem in this world, okay? Verse 3 says this, Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But I want you to look at this verse right here. Verse 4, verse 4 in this chapter. I love verse 4. Everyone say, get ready, verse 4. It says this, but, but, but I was dead in my sins and my trespasses, but God 
being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, Ephesians 2.5 says this, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Verse 6 says this, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All right, come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you today. God, we thank you for the reading of the word. God, I pray today, Lord, that you would use me as a vessel today, Lord, to speak truth, Lord, to speak hope, Lord, that could only come from you. God, I ask, Lord, that you would renew our minds, renew our spirit, Lord, that you would soften hearts for the word of God today. Have your will and way. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone said, amen. Everyone look at your neighbor. And say, it is good to see you. Now look at your neighbor on the other side who you don't like as much. Say, it's good to see you too. Today, I, I want to talk to you, and, and there are, in all, all four of the Gospels, uh, there is an account of, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I want to look at Mark's account today. And it's interesting because Mark's account speaks of three ladies uh, going to um, going to the tomb, and they're there to do something, and um, they they are they are heartbroken because Jesus had been crucified. Uh, um, man, and I just want to say this, man. Friday night we had an amazing, amazing, a Good Friday service. It was an awesome time, a great time of communion, great time of reflection here. If you were able to make that, that was, it was an amazing time, and I I love that service. One of my favorite services of the year. Um, but And when I think about the cross and I begin to think about what the price that Jesus paid for my sins, I can't help but think of the goodness of God. Amen? And, and so these women here, they had, had known Jesus. They had followed Jesus. And, and they are mourning and they are, they, are, they are sad. They, I mean, when you, how many know that when you lose someone that you love, it's hard? Amen? Anybody ever been there? Uh, as a, as a as a pastor, there are moments where I I've had to do funerals for people, and and let me tell you something, it never gets easier. It, it's it's always difficult because you you empathize, you sympathize with people because you understand the pain that they're feeling. And so these three ladies, they are they are uh, they are going and 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 they're they're struggling, and because the one who they had put their hope in had died, and 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 I don't know if about you. But when you lose hope, man, hope deferred makes the heart sick is what the scripture says. When you lose hope, uh, you, you, you are sick in your heart and you're, you're, you're hurting. And so I, I love this. And so I want to look at this story. In, in Mark chapter 16, you can, you can go back to that. Mark chapter 16, I, I want to talk about these, these three ladies and this event that transpires. And listen, and how this how this relates to you, I want you to remember what we read in Ephesians. We're going to come back to that. But how this relates to you. Everyone say, the resurrection relates to me. All right. Mark, Mark chapter 16, and I'm going to read this. It says this in verses 1 and 2. It says, when the Sabbath was passed, okay, that's talking about Saturday, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and uh, uh, Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. Verse 2 says, and very early on the first day of the week, everyone say Sunday. Everyone say Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. All right, all right. Uh, on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. I love these women because I love this story. Uh, they, they are a strong group of women. After Jesus died on Friday, uh, they had to wait through Saturday because ceremonially they could not tend to Jesus' body on Saturday because it was the Sabbath. There was rules that they had to follow. They got Jesus' body off the cross. Somebody did, took it, put it in a borrowed grave. 
and, and they they put him in. And so they are going on Sunday, their very first opportunity after the Sabbath, to go and anoint Jesus' body. Now, this was a practice that they would do in the in that time. And so Jesus' body, it was laid in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. Did you catch that? It was not Jesus' tomb. It was Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. He was a rich man who owned that tomb, and it was borrowed for a place for his body to go. And, 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 and knowing that Jesus had spoke of raising from the dead, the Pharisees asked the Romans, they, they, they asked the Romans to guard the tomb. So they put soldiers in front of the tomb, and they sealed it with a stamp, a government stamp. Everyone say, a government stamp, from the, for, uh, a government stamp doesn't really mean a whole lot, right? All right, I'll just leave that one alone right there. And, and they, they stamped it basically and said, no one is allowed to go through here. And, and somehow the Pharisees thought, hey, we're going to do everything to prevent anything from happening to keep Jesus from raising from the dead. We know what he said. He said he was going to rise again. And so Jesus, there he is. And these women are going with sorrow, with grief, to go and anoint the body of Jesus with ceremonial anointing oil. And, uh, and in those days, it would, the oil, the reason they would do this is they would take this oil and they would put it on the body and they would put it on the, the wrappings around the body. And, and what that oil would do, it would mask the stench of death. It would, ma- it w- it would mask the stench of death. And so, and so there they were, and, 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 and they were going to do that. They're on their way. And how many knows that sometimes in your life, when you are going forward, you're doing the best that you can. And maybe you're like these ladies. Man, your heart is down. I'm getting up early. I'm going to go, and I'm just going to go uh, one last time. I'm going to go see Jesus' body, and I'm going to uh, put ceremonial uh, uh, anointing oil on it so, so the body doesn't stink. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to just give my best to him. And how many know that sometimes life can throw you some twists and turns? Anybody ever been there? Maybe trials and, and, and situations that seem numerous. I, I'll give you some examples. Maybe, maybe you're here today and, and your marriage is dissolving. That's a trial. That's a situation, right? Or maybe you're here and maybe you have a broken friendship and maybe you had a friend and that you and that friend are no longer friends and it's breaking your heart. Or maybe you've been betrayed. Anybody ever been betrayed and the, and the pain of that? What about this, the death of a loved one? Or, or a friend, and, and, and those things can be devastating to our hearts, right? And they, they can, can kind of just gut punch us. Maybe you've been diagnosed with a disease. Maybe you've had failures and disappointments. I've been there. Anybody else been there? And, 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 and so where do we go when we have these kinds of trials? You know what I do? You know what my, my first notion to do when something's wrong with me is to call my friends. Anybody relate to that? I need to call my friends and tell them what's going on in my life, right? I need to tell them the drama that's happening in my We call those people that we know will empathize and sympathize with us, right? And I need you to get in agreement with me right now because I'm going through some pain and I need somebody just to tell me, hey, it's going to be all right. Anybody ever been there? And, 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 and we mean well by doing that. And sometimes we even call the pastor. Listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't call the pastor. I am the pastor. But uh, I'm not saying you shouldn't call a pastor or a counselor. But oftentimes our first response when we have a trial and situation is to turn to man instead of turning to the Lord. And as believers, uh, God has not called us to do that. And, and while these things are talking to friends, they're not bad. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I've learned in my life is that when there is a trial and when there is sorrow in my life, there is something about when I turn my direction towards the master, even when I don't know how it's going to work out, and I take a step of faith towards him, how he moves. I want to tell you this is my, my first point right here is this. We have to pursue him. Everyone say pursue him. We have to pursue him. Oh, man, here's what I've learned. Oftentimes we have trials in our lives and proverbial spiritual things that are dead, and we are trying to rub anointing oil on them to mask the smell of death on that situation. What are you saying, Pastor? This is what I'm saying. We mask pain with alcohol. 
Oh, it's quiet in here. We numb our sorrow with, with drugs. We fill voids in our life with hobbies. And only to give a temporary fix that only masks a bigger problem. See, I can do things, and I can numb things, and they're okay. But guess what? That situation is still dead. And when the alcohol wears off, and when the hobby gets boring and gets too expensive to do anymore, guess what? That thing is still dead. These ladies, they are broken, and they're lost, and they're tired, and they're bewildered. But, but, but they find themselves in an interesting place, walking towards the master in pursuit towards the master. They don't know what's about to happen to them, but they are heading towards the master. Amen. They, uh, they were going to do a dirty, uh, uh, not a dirty, they were going to do a duty, a service, a ritual to get closer to their situation. The situation They were at this point, I have accepted the reality that Jesus is dead and I'm going to get some closure here. This is what I am doing. Have you ever been there? But God, Ephesians 2.4 says, but God. Everyone say, but God. And they didn't know this yet because of their willingness. They would be the first to witness the greatest miracle ever. They would be the first ones to know that Jesus had raised from the dead. And this is what I've learned in my life. In this life, when you don't know, when you're going through troubles, don't, don't walk in it by what you see, but walk by what you know. The scripture says we walk by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. God, I don't see it, but I am just going to trust in you. I'm going to put one foot in front of the, uh, uh, the other. Uh, the great philosopher Dory said, keep on swimming, keep on swimming, right? And, and that is the goal. We just got to put one foot in front of the other. God, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I know, Lord, that if I pursue the master, Lord, if I get a little bit closer to the master, my situation can change. Amen? I love this. Maybe you feel brokenhearted, and, and, and I can tell you that if you'll turn your attention toward the master, things will happen. Matter of fact, there's this text in Jeremiah, this promise that Jeremiah the prophet would, would say. It says this, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And it says this, and I will hear you, and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I can't help but think that these ladies, unbeknownst to even their own their own mind, were walking this little step of faith, not knowing that God would do the impossible. My, my favorite Bible verse is James 4, 8, and it simply says this, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Amen. That's what I know. Even when I don't see you're working, he is working. Even when I don't feel that you're working, he is working, right? And sometimes you just got to put one foot in front of the other and say, God, I don't understand it, but I'm going to lean into you and I'm going to pursue you. Everyone say, pursue him. Here's the second point right here. This is what I've learned from the Lord. You're here. You have to let go and just watch God. There's a song that came out a few years ago, Jesus Take the Will, right? Jesus Take the Will. There, there's some reality to that. Lord, Lord, take the will. I, I'm just going to let go. I'm not saying you need to go down the highway and let go of the steering wheel. Listen, we're, God gives us a brain for a reason, all right? We walk by faith, but come on, all right? But, 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 but here's the thing. In our life, spiritually speaking, sometimes we just got to say, hey, God, I am tired of driving this thing. Will you get back up here in the pilot seat and let me get where I belong, and you take me where I need to go? Have you ever did something before thinking it through? You know what I did uh, uh, not too long ago, about three months ago, <laughs> um, Saturday night before church, I, I went to our, our bathroom downstairs, and I look up above the shower, and I see that there had been a, a leak, okay? There had been a water leak. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I, I thought, oh, man, this isn't good. And so what did I do? I pushed on it. Guess what I did? My hand went through. And then I was like, oh, man, that's not good. i got to figure out where this water is coming from. So what did I do? I started pulling sheetrock down. And I thought, oh, well, this will be easy. I'll just, it's not a big bathroom, and I'll just pull all the sheetrock down in my bathroom. And, and you know what I'll do? I'll just put new sheetrock up. Can't be that hard, right? 
you guys, some of you know your pastor, right? And so I, I pulled it down, and I thought, I probably shouldn't have did all that. I didn't ask my wife. I just did it. I pulled it, I pulled it all down. And then I thought, oh, well, this will be easy enough. I'll watch a few YouTube videos. I can do this, right? And I realized that new construction is a lot easier than remodeling. Because I found out that my bathroom's not square. And I found out all these little details about my ceiling in my bathroom. Well, guess what? Two or three months, we didn't have a ceiling in our bathroom. And my wife's like, when are we going to fix that? When are we going to fix that? I'm like, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Well, guess what? I had to hire someone to come fix it. I did not count the cost. Sometimes you just got to let go, right? This is beyond what I can do. That's what I, I've learned. And, 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 and these, these, these ladies, these, they're, they're beginning to realize that they left, and they left in a hurry to take care of the body of Jesus, and they forgot about something. They forgot about the stone that was in front of it. The next part of Scripture says this, that, and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us for the, uh, from the entrance of the tomb? These are just three ladies. Now, uh, um, many scholars believe that the, that the stone would, would have a weight of about two and a half tons. That's a lot of weight. I'm not saying these ladies couldn't move it. Maybe they were, they were super strong. But, 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 you know, that's a lot of weight for, for even, you know, three muscle men to try to move. And, 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 and this is what I've learned. When something seems impossible, we often go to discouragement and despair like this. Man, Lord, what if this situation doesn't work out the way that I want it to work out? What if this, this need doesn't happen? Oh, and I could, I could just kind of hear them, them talking there. And uh, uh, Salome, you know, she said that, you know, we didn't count the cost. We didn't count the cost. And, 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 and Mary says, I know. And then the other Mary, James's mom, would say, you know, well, well what do you think we ought to do? And they begin to just kind of go back and forth. Well, and I can't help but think, but maybe in their hearts they thought, well, maybe we should just turn back because the stone's there and there's guards there. There's all kinds of things. Discouragement and disappointment can keep us from attaining what God has for us. Amen? And maybe you're here and you're trying to walk towards the master, but you think, man, there's this stone between me and the master, and I, I don't know how to move it. And, and, and maybe in your mind you say, I could never be a good Christian. My past is too bad, and, and, and people won't accept me, and Jesus won't love me because I've done some horrific things. And maybe that's statements that you've made. And maybe you made those statements on the way here today. Plenty of people in, the, in, in this, this body have, have watched God do the impossible. And let me, uh, some people say this, let me get my life together first and then I'll do right. And then I'll go to church. Listen, Jesus never said you had to get your life right. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. That's an open invitation to you. That's an open invitation. He didn't say get it right and then come. No, he said just come, just come, just come. And, 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 and some people say this, I'll work my way to heaven. I'm a good person. I do what's right. I'm nice to people. And, and these, these ladies probably started talking about how they were going to have to work to get this tomb open. And they probably thought, how are we going to do this? What are we going to do? And how often do we try to work things out spiritually that which the Lord has already beaten on the cross? I've got a trial in front of me, and God's like, I already took care of it. You, you just got to keep walking. You got to trust in me. But look at this. If you read on in verse 4, it says, and looking up. So the, here they are walking. Verse 4 says, and looking up. They're walking, and they look up, and they saw the stone had been rolled away. Oh, Mary, Mary 1 looks at Mary number 2. There's a lot of Marys right there. And then they got Salome or Salami. That's where we get the, the term Salami, Salome. And they're like, the stone is gone. It's, it's rolled away. How exciting is that? Now, remember, they started this, this journey to anoint Jesus' body, and they were worried about this, this two-and-a-half-ton stone between them and the Savior. And they're walking, and they're talking, and then all of a sudden they look up, and the stone is rolled back. Amen? And, and God, listen, this is the way God works. God makes a way where there seems to be no way. They didn't see it 
until they looked up, and then they just were walking there. And, and this is what I've learned. Uh, you, you may say, I could never do enough works to make God happy. And, and, and I've got some great news for you. It's not based on you working. It's based on God's grace. Ephesians 2.8, which is part of that, that, that scripture, 8.9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this next part says, And this is not your own doing. You had nothing to do with the moving of the stone. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. I love this. I love this picture of a gift. And I wish I had $20 in my pocket. Maybe I'll do that in the next service. But the gift of salvation is like me pulling out $20 in my pocket and just walking up here to Reagan and saying, Reagan, the Lord wants to give this to you. I pretend I had $20, all right? And all she has to do is take it. The gift that God, whoa, the gift that God has given you. Listen, I'm peppy today. The gift that God has given you, uh, all we have to do is accept it by faith. He's already removed the stone. He's already made a way where there, where there is no way. Listen, you don't have to earn it. You don't have to, you don't have to be perfect. You just got to walk in the faith of Jesus Christ. Verse 5 says this, and entering the tomb, okay, so they went to, to, to go up there. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. I'd be a little bit devastated going into a grave and seeing someone alive right there next to me, right? And they, and they were alarmed. Verse 6 says, and he said to them, do not be alarmed. I'm going to be alarmed because you're right there. It's a little bit scary. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. Ah, everyone, everyone, everyone read this with me. He has, woo, amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. He has risen. He is not here. And then he's like, come here, come see the place where he was. Come in here and look, look, look for yourself. Do you need to see it? Come see it. And, and we know this about scripture here. And this is uh, an angel, I believe Luke's account uh, talks about it being an angel. And I, I believe this is an angel because I don't think Jesus would talk in the third person here, you know, because he says he has risen. I, you seek Jesus of Nazareth. But, but this angel here is, is, is something that we got to know about angels in scriptures. They're used to tell good news. When something good is coming, the angels show up and they always say this, fear not. Don't be afraid. I've got some good news for you. That's the first thing that they always say. And when, he, when the angel told Abraham that he was going to have a promised son, he, he was met with an angel. When, when John the Baptist's parents, they, they were met by an angel that told them that they were going to have a child. When Mary and Joseph both got the birth announcement of Jesus, the angel came and told them, Fear not, I've got good news for you, Mary. Hey, you're going to have a son. He's going to be the son of the Most High God. And so we see the angel here not giving a birth announcement but giving a resurrection announcement saying, hey, listen, ladies, listen, 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 Linda. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Listen, ladies, he's not here. I've got good news. The resurrection hope of Jesus Christ is good news. I love this. First off, don't be scared. I, I know you're seeking Jesus because, because he was crucified. I love this. He's reading their mail. They don't even know what's going on. I know you came to see Jesus. I know you're here at Jesus' tomb. I know he was crucified. They're like, whoo, okay. The tomb's rolled away. Uh, how do you know? Anybody ever have somebody come up to you and start, start telling you things about your life? You're kind of like, whoo, what in the world's going on? Someone give you a prophetic word. Well, this angel's giving them a prophetic word. And, and, and he's saying, by the way, hey, Jesus isn't here. He's risen. Come here and look. Come here and look. Come see where he laid. Look, he's not in here right now. Hey, listen, there's no trap doors in here. He's not a magician. Look, he's not here. I love this. So what are you trying to say, TJ? And I'm saying this. They didn't have to labor at all because the King of kings and the Lord of lords had already done the work. They just showed up. They, they were seeking the master. They were seeking the master. And all they had to do was just show up. See, I know this. The, the scripture tells us that, that he, he bore our sins on the cross and he resurrected triumphant over sin and the grave. And he removed every 
barrier between God and, and, and us. Jesus Christ, I love this picture. Jesus on the cross, one hand, grabbed the hand of man. On the other hand, grabbed the hand of God and pulled us back together. He was the perfect sacrifice. Sin is heavy, but God can roll away the stone. Amen. Hebrews says this, that, that we are to come boldly before the throne of mercy because of Jesus' work on the cross. It's not anything that I do. It's all about him. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Can I tell you something? These ladies didn't have to do anything. And can I tell you, for your sake today, listen, God, Jesus Christ, has completed the work on Calvary and resurrection. And listen, all you have to do is believe in your heart that Christ raised from the dead and invite him into your life. The, the hard work is already done. Amen? So here's the last point. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. Is this right here. Number, number three is this. Be a witness. Everyone say, be a witness. Uh, be a witness. Be a witness. How many of you love to tell a good story? How many love to get some, some news before anyone else gets the news? Oh, come on. Don't act all pious like you guys don't like, like a good gossip story every once in a while. Listen, you shouldn't gossip. But how many like, oh, did you hear this? Well, did I know this information, and you don't know that information, right? We, we like to think that because we know something that someone else doesn't know that we're somehow better, right? Uh, but, but here's the thing. These ladies, these ladies were the first people to know the good news, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. That's amazing to me. That's amazing to me. When I was young, I was terrible at keeping secrets. I was. I was terrible at keep, keeping secrets. One year, I can't remember if it was for Mother's Day. I don't remember if it was for my mom's birthday. I don't know. I was probably about seven years old. We went, I went with my dad to buy my mom something for one of those events, and I don't remember what it was. And she had been wanting a, a sewing machine. And so my dad bought her a sewing machine, and I just happened to be there when when he bought that sewing machine. And I remember we came home, and he hid that sewing machine. And I remember I was at home, and I was just like, ooh, I just, you know, it just bubbles in me. It's got to come out somehow. And, 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 and I remember my mom, I was talking to her one day. My dad told me, he said, don't tell your mom. Don't tell her nothing. Don't show her nothing. And I'm like, okay, Dad, I got you. I got you. I can do this. I won't tell this secret to Mom. I was talking to my mom one day. I was just so anxious and so excited about what I knew that she didn't know. She's like, Mom. She's like, what, babe? We got you a present. She said, oh, yeah? Yeah. I said, but Dad told me not to tell you where it's at or what it, what it is. She said, okay. And I said, I will tell you this about it. You can make a dress with it. I'm not going to keep it secrets. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. I've grown up since then. I was innocent. I, I didn't know. I, my mom was like, thanks, you know. And, uh, but anyways, when you have good news, it's hard to keep it in. When you know the good news of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, it's hard to keep it in. Listen, you know something. When Jesus has changed your life, you have something inside of you that other people need to know. Other people want to know this hope that is inside of you. I love, I love this picture of these women. And verse 7 says, but go, uh, the angels, after he shows them the tomb, he says this, but go and tell his disciples. Oh, I love this right here. Go tell his disciples and... You know what's beautiful about that is Peter had just denied Jesus a few days earlier. Not that Jesus is, loves Peter more than the rest, but Peter needed this affirmation from the Lord because he had felt like that he had messed up tremendously. Maybe you're here today and you say, I, I've messed up with the Lord. Can I tell you, the Lord is calling you by name. The Lord is calling you by name. It says this, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going uh, before you to Galilee, talking, the angels tell him, hey, Jesus is going to Galilee. He's going to meet you there. And there, there you will see him just as he told you. He's reminding them, he's reminding them of what Jesus said. And verse 8 says this, and they went out and fled from the tomb, 
uh, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. I don't know about you, but if that moment happened to me on on that day, I would I would probably be astonished tremendously. I'd be like, man, Lord, what in the world? This is amazing. It says this, and, and they they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And that fear that 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 they have there is not one of of I'm scared to tell anyone. It was just like I'm overwhelmed by what the the knowledge that I know here. Here's the other thing side to that story is this that women in that society in that time were were not looked upon as as people that really that could speak into people's lives. Matter of fact, a Jewish man when he would get up, he would usually declare this, "Lord, thank you that I'm not a Gentile. I am not a woman." Literally, they they would say that. I mean, and so so this message coming from from these women, they they were probably a little bit you know, worried about what people would think. And so, and so they go and they, they begin to tell his disciples the three turns into 11. Jesus would show up on the Emmaus Road and he would show up in front of them and he would show up in front of Mary Magdalene and he would show up in front of the 11 in the upper room and then he would just go. And here's the cool thing about this. I begin to think about this. Jesus, listen, Jesus, when he showed up in the upper room with the disciples, he didn't have to go through the door to get in there. He, matter of fact, Scripture says he just came in through the wall. Jesus didn't have to move the tomb, move, move the stone in front of the tomb. He didn't have to do that, but he did that for our sake. He did that for our sake. Listen, listen. I love this. My job, your job, we live this resurrected life is to tell the world what God has done in me and in you. I don't know your story. You know your story. You know what God brought you out of. I know what God brought me out of. And I know that I'm a a product of his grace and his mercy. I'm a nobody. Listen, I I have struggles. I, I struggle every day. But I know this. I can lean on the Lord and he will direct my paths. These ladies, they told the disciples Jesus would appear to them. And there he did. Eventually, he would appear up to 500 people that would see this risen Savior. Can I tell you this? Some people say, well, how do we know that he was risen? Did you know that all the disciples who saw Jesus risen never recanted their statement, and all of them died for their faith? Except for John. He died of old age. I don't know why. They tried to kill him. They tried to boil him. They tried everything, and he was like, no. And here's the other thing. The soldiers at the tomb, the soldiers at the tomb, if they would have let someone come in and steal the body of Christ, if they would have said that they were asleep or they did this, you know, they would have been put to death because a Roman soldier, if they didn't do their job, they would be put to death. So they wouldn't want to take that risk. They wouldn't want to lie about that. So it's amazing to me that some people still feel this. But here's the thing. This is what I want to say. These three ladies... They have this ripple effect on us. It's like throwing a stone in a pond that's still. You see the ripples. And 2,000 years later, today, you see this, this, I say young, this young guy up here who's losing his hair. Telling you the ripple effects that Christ raised from the dead. What you say about the master, your testimony matters. But let me give you this. Let me give you this as we wrap up. These ladies in pursuing the master experienced and witnessed firsthand the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. The first thing I want to tell you today, keep pursuing Jesus. When you don't know, when you don't understand, when you're going through a trial, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep pursuing Jesus. And this is the other thing. They didn't have to work. They didn't have to work. God did the heavy lifting on the cross and at the resurrection that day. You don't have to work for it. You just, you just got to love and you got to believe in him. Amen. They saw him and, and he was gone. And lastly, they had to witness his mighty works and tell everyone about it. I want to read something to you. And I read this little bit of scripture earlier. And I uh, last night just felt like I was just going to add this to this. If you'll put this up there. I want you to read this through a different lens, through a resurrected Savior. Maybe you're here today, 
And this is everybody in this room because Romans tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. But look at this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Verse 2, in which one, in one, in in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work uh, in the sons of disobedience, among whom all once lived in the passions of our flesh. I lost my scripture up there. I got it right here. Among those who all once lived in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of, of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Well, you know what that scripture is saying? Our flesh was getting the best of us. All right? Verse 4 says this. But God. Everyone say, but God. But God. That's what Saul said. And he, But God. And then he turned to Paul. God changed his direction. God changed his countenance. Amen? But God. Being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we didn't deserve it, he went to the cross for you and for me. Um, it, it says this, even when we were dead in our trespasses, I lost my place, I'm going to find it in a minute. There it is. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7. So that in the coming ages he might show the, the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. Verse 10, I love this verse. Ah, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's a powerful bit of scripture right there. You know what all that scripture tells me? Even though I was dead in my sins because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but God, I can come out and be alive spiritually. Amen. Will you bow your heads with me all across this building? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your word. God, God, we're grateful for the hope of the resurrection. The great hope of the resurrection today, Jesus. God, I pray, Lord, that if there's someone under the sound of my voice today, Lord, if they don't know you, God, I pray that they would come to know you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, listen, I would be amiss if I didn't give you an opportunity to know him in this service today. You didn't come here by accident. You may have, you may have came here uh, just to come to an Easter celebration or, or come to church for one time. I don't know, but I believe that God ordained you to be here to hear the message of Jesus Christ and of his hope. If you're here and you say, hey, Pastor TJ, I... I need to make things right with the Lord in my heart. With nobody looking around in this building, would you just lift up your hand? Anybody in this in this building in this moment? Anybody in this building? Anybody in this building? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray for every heart in this house that's here right now. God, I ask, Lord, that you would help us to draw closer to you. God, I pray, Lord, that you would give us strength. Maybe someone's going through a trial. God, I pray, Lord, that they wouldn't get discouraged as they walk. And maybe they don't see the, the, the end of uh, the tomb being empty yet, God. But maybe they're on this journey. But, God, I pray, Lord, that you would make a way where there seems to be no way. God, give them the strength to take step by step, faith by faith, every day. God, I ask, Lord, that you would bless each and every person in this house. God, I pray, Lord, that you would seal this word. God, with amazing power, Lord, that is you. God, we give you the praise. God, we give you the glory. Come on and give Jesus a hand clap of praise of the house today.